Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Winston Preparatory School is a leading school network for students with learning disabilities. Learn more about Winston Prep and register for an open house at www.winstonprep.edu. Okay, and welcome back to the show. Joining us right now, Jonathan Steinberg. Jonathan Steinberg representing Westport, coming off of a woo doozy of a legislative session. Jonathan, you there? I'm there. I am a little groggy, so I will apologize in advance. I may be even less coherent than usual, but it's been, as you said, uh, a real roller coaster the past few days. Yeah, it really has. And I want to get to the to the SB 998 because. It didn't start out as SB 998. It started out as a House bill. It was presented then on Friday night in the wee small hours of the morning as a Senate bill. And some of the fair share language that had been in the original House bill, as well as landlord-tenant language, was introduced in a bill that was labeled conservation easement. And I want to hear from you, Jonathan. I know that you ended up voting for the bill, despite having said that you would vote against fair share in any form or way. So I want to hear you explain to us what your thought process was, what changed your mind. Well, as it turns out, this whole subject became the most notorious subject of the entire legislative session. As you just mentioned, uh, the House voted on it at 2 in the morning. It was... uh, some people view it as a little bit of a sneaky move to put in another bill, which was unrelated, and uh, sneak in a section on fair share, albeit a, a study. And yesterday uh, in the Senate, it was filibustered right up until near the end of the session, which uh, nearly, well, it didn't nearly, it killed any number of bills because uh, they were spending so much time on it, including one of the bills I cared about, my solar bill from energy. So it, it really had a huge impact. Um, I ended up voting for it, but to understand why, uh, I think you really need to have a little bit more in-depth understanding of how legislation moves through the legislature, particularly something that is uh, endorsed by somebody with power. In this case, the majority leader of the House, Jason Rojas. Well, I, mean, I think is a great guy. He comes from, uh, from East Hartford, which would do all 
characterized as, uh, you know, a little bit more urban, um, but he's actually a very moderate, reasonable person. We agree that uh, we need more housing diversity across the state, that we have a crisis in affordable housing, but we fundamentally disagree on how about to, how to go about doing that. Um, so basically, when I was last on your show, I vowed I would filibuster this bill if it came before the House in its form. And I was sincere about that, but I had an ulterior motive, and that was specifically to get a seat at the table, to be in the mix as this is being discussed. And that worked. Uh, I was actually very much involved with a lot of the conversations. Uh, anybody who followed it realized that the bill changed dramatically from the time it was first offered and, and put up by the desegregate OCA people. Um, but I should also be clear, the only reason that I had to see the table was not because of the power of the Lisa Wexler show, uh, though I'm sure that contributed, uh, but because I also was working to secure the votes to block it. And that's really the inside story people need to hear about. Right. I only had leverage because uh, I and others developed a very solid cohort that had the votes to block the bill. And that's what led to all the changes and ultimately their abandoning the uh, underlying structure of fair share and ending up with this residual study, which is still a flawed study in my view. Um, so I had a choice at two o'clock in the morning. I could just do my victory lap and say, you know, uh, you know, this is over with, or recognize this bill was not going away. This is the majority leader's bill. He's been working on it for years. It's coming back next year, one way or the other. So uh, I viewed my vote in favor of it as a gesture of conciliation to the majority leader to preserve my position in the conversation because it's coming back next year. And I want it coming back with the compromise language and not having them start from scratch at the totally unworkable, unreasonable uh, levels that they had before. They had to come back to us now with a number, and we're going to be able to look at the number in the context of the community's ability to actually build that, those number of affordable units. So that's a long way of saying uh, most people do not really want to understand the inner workings of the legislature and the compromises and the horse training and the like. I admit, I don't love it either, uh, but it is how things get done, and it leads one sometimes to uh, taking up or down votes, which may not make the sense on the face of them, but they're oftentimes because of a uh, longer agenda, the long game. And that's what we're looking at with regards to this kind of uh, legislation. We're chatting with Jonathan Steinberg, who represents Westport, and we're talking about SB 998, which did get passed. And one would admit, at least from what I know, Jonathan, that this calling a question on either the House or Senate floor is very unusual, I'm told. It's called the nuclear option, and we have not done it in the House in my 13 years in office, and it's only pulled out in the last resort. This was the last day. And as I mentioned, uh, the filibuster meant that other bills weren't getting called. A lot of good bills died in the Senate, making a lot of us pretty angry, frankly. But this was the Senate Democratic leadership's decision to waste most of the day on such a controversial bill. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And they call the question, meaning that that cuts off debate. So then there's the vote, right? Yeah, I mean, we try to be amiable in both chambers and not do that. The one bit of power that the minority party has is their ability to talk. And in the end, a few days, that's a, a real powerful tool. So uh, the, even the threat of calling the question is a pretty serious matter. Uh, you know, I wish that they had figured it out earlier, called, uh, threatened them earlier, and then they would have gotten to other bills. But uh, I'll be the last one to figure out how the Senate operates. So let's talk about this, because I know you're referring to fair share as a study, but the language, according to the Connecticut Mirror, doesn't say that there's the word study in it. What it says is that the mandates of the actual doing the fair share were, quote, I'm reading from them now, stripped from the bill, although it still includes measures that require the state to conduct the housing needs assessment, find a methodology to divide up the need, and tell towns how many units they need to have to fulfill the need. Well, that sounds to me like phase one of fair share. Well, what it lacks is what really matters. It's the entire structure of implementation. The, the real heart of the bill that never moved forward, thanks to our opposition, was about how you do it. And that's what we were also negotiating. So they could come up with whatever they want. There's no means of enforcement. There's no way that they're actually going to get it done. All that has to come back. So basically, you might describe it as a mandate, but a mandate is pretty toothless at this point. Until they fill in the, the, all the gaps on how they would actually accomplish this, and there's a lot that matters in how they would go about doing that, it really doesn't have any impact. One of the reasons it was so controversial, Jonathan, is because for the first time that I can remember, it basically concedes that the state of Connecticut uh, should have some power to supersede local decisions over housing. And that alone, well, I think, it, is what alarmed a lot of people. Yeah, but the thing is, Lisa, we already have 830G. I was actually hoping when this concept first reared its, its ugly head two years ago that it would ultimately replace 830G, which is, mm-hmm. I think, a very flawed instrument for getting affordable housing built. Uh, there was even some talk during our negotiations, and they were trying to, to sweeten the pot that uh, maybe eventually 830G would be phased out as fair share is being phased in. I would like to think that's on the table for next year. But people should have no illusions. Uh, there were certain uh, limitations of local control under 830G. Uh, but to your point, this was something they very much wanted to make part of the new fair share rubric. And one of the things we actually got them to compromise on during negotiations was they took as of right off the table. You know, you have to realize how huge that is. As of right is the tool by which they uh, override local zoning. And they actually were willing at one point to give that up, uh, which basically meant that their only action was in the courts 
if people if communities fail to comply. But that was a huge concession on their part. And I'm, again, I'm hoping that's the starting point for next year. We've got the number down to about 25% of the original number that desegregate Connecticut was floating out there, which was just you know, absolutely outrageous and, and, and fantastical. Um, but even at 25% of that number, it's still problematic for a lot of communities. And the methodology and the percent of affordable units that would have to be uh, in any uh, town's plan is still very much up for grabs and very important to the way they would implement it. Well, also because it ends up being a classic unfunded mandate. If the state just tells towns to go ahead and do it, what are towns supposed to do? Keep raising and raising and raising the mill rates? They won't do it, Jonathan. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the big differences on the positive side this year is that there was a lot more money on the table. Uh, You know, there was a program that even predates uh, my time in the legislature called Home Connecticut that was all based on incentives to communities to build affordable housing. The governor and those behind this legislation have worked very hard to give uh, money to the housing fund in in the hundreds of millions of dollars, not all of which would be applied to this, frankly. But uh, they, they understand that it's through incentives. Reducing the cost of projects, making it easier for municipalities to find a place to do this is actually one of the better ideas rather than the punitive use the stick approach. So to their credit, and again, I'm, you know, that money has been uh, you know, put in the budget. I think there will actually be more money for helping towns do the right thing than there's been in the past. So, Jonathan Stumbrick, thank you very much. I know SB 998 also had a bunch of landlord-tenant changes. Is there anything that you can inform us about that you think we should know about as landlords or tenants going forward that are changes to the law here in Connecticut? You know, honestly, I I read it, but it it wasn't my focus. I was looking for the fair share stuff. I will say, though, uh, you know, this is uh, an area which has been fraught with tension for many years and only exacerbated by the pandemic. I, I feel for both tenants and landlords, landlords who are basically uh, going without getting paid by some residents because of the uh, ravages of the pandemic. Uh, this was sort of resetting some of the rules, uh, trying to achieve fairness on both sides. I don't know that it was particularly controversial, though I do know it was part of the filibuster in the Senate last night. But I, I, I can't claim to be an expert on that stuff. All right. Well, Jonathan Steinberg, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having the guts to explain how you voted and why you voted. We really appreciate your doing that here on the show. I thank you for that. And thank you for helping me get that seat at the table, Lisa. Um, the, the rest of the story wouldn't be told if uh, uh, that hadn't been accomplished. And uh, it's the power of the Lisa Wexler show that everybody should be listening to. Uh-huh. Okay. Thanks a lot, Jonathan Steinberg, representing Westport. We're going to be right back with more of the show coming up. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 